Wow, it has been a long time since making a podcast, mostly due to the fact that we have been locked inside our houses for over a month and there has been no, and I mean no, live sports, which leaves little to talk about. However, we are lucky to be in the hottest part of the NFL offseason. We're a week away from the NFL draft. I have a full first round mock draft out on my Twitter right now. I'm going to talk about my top 15 really not really going to go in much deeper than that only reason I want to go up to 15 is because I have the first couple receivers coming off the board in the first 15 um it's we're going to go over that later first want to talk about free agency and also just talk about the virus and how I think that we won't be back to normal live sports until probably I can't see it happening before January um I think next baseball season we could see fans in the crowd opening day, but that's even being optimistic. And the the bottom line is nobody knows what nobody knows how long this will take. Nobody knows when we'll get back to that. But for the people who can't afford to go to games all the time, it really doesn't matter. I just want to see live sports on my TV. I don't care about not going to games. I would watch anything that they put on TV. I would watch the PGA Tour if golf was back. I could care less. I just need some sports in my life. I think a lot of people that are sports nuts like me feel the same way. Um, basically, there was it was a good off season for the NFL. A lot of cha- a lot of different things happened. A lot of players changed teams. The obvious one that was shock not shocking that he left, but shocking of where he went when it happened. This was a couple weeks ago. Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots that he was with for twenty years, I believe to go to Tampa Bay, and if you could ask someone who doesn't watch the NFL if there was a team named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they'd probably say no, because Tampa Bay might be the most irrelevant team in the NFL. They are constantly between really bad and really good. They're never really bad, so they don't get a top pick, but they're never good. They never make the playoffs. I mean, since I've been watching football, they're one of the most mediocre teams I can I can even name. And just the fact that he chose Tampa Bay. And honestly, it's not a bad suit for him. They have a good young offense. Uh, Godwin and Evans are going to be two of the best weapons he's had in years. The Patriots did not surround him with a ton of talent. Um, so Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers, to me, is not that bad of a deal. One thing I will say about Tom Brady... He is going to finally see what it's like to not have a great offensive line. New England constantly had him behind one of the better O-lines in football. It's just not a luxury in other places like it is um, in New England. They had even their backups were better than most team starters when they got hurt. I mean, it was absolutely imperative that they protected Tom Brady the way they did. Tom Brady is 43 years old. He's been immobile since he was 23 years old, so... He is not a guy that's going to escape the pocket. He needs to sit back there and make throws. And Tampa Bay don't have a great offensive line. I do see them making a move. If not, I see them going first-round offensive linemen. Trent Williams is in the the discussions with them. Um, O.J. Howard being waived, well, not waived, but being flashed around as trade bait from them. I'll tell you what they want back. They don't want to pick. They don't want to pick. They want an offensive lineman. They want someone that's going to help the team tomorrow. They want someone that's going to come in, protect Brady. 
they do not have more than a year window. If they don't win this year, they might have next year. That's how tight their window is with Tom Brady. He is 43 years old. He is not getting younger. He, some people think he's already at the lowest point of his career. I tend to agree. But they don't want a pick or a, an outside linebacker. Their defense is settled. They have good weapons on offense. They need somebody to protect the quarterback. If I'm the Redskins, I reach out to the Buccaneers yesterday and say, we'll give you Trent Williams for O.J. Howard. Why? Because O.J. Howard is a young tight end who seems to have a lot of upside that hasn't really brought out yet. Um, He is being uh, shipped by the Buccaneers. They don't really have, they can't seem to figure out how to work him into the offense. So if you you get a one-on-one trade for O.J. Howard, to the Redskins, Trent Williams to the Bucks. It'll be one of those rare trades where I think both teams are helped instantly. Now, the Redskins' offensive line will be worse, but we already know that the Redskins aren't going to have Trent Williams this year. Regardless if they trade him or keep him, he will be sitting. He is not playing for Washington. He's made it very clear. So I think this is one of those rare times that a team can make a one-for-one trade with another team, and it actually help both teams instantly. Redskins have a void at the tight end position. The Buccaneers need protection and let me tell you Trent Williams is still great he is still one of the better tackles in the NFL and his window lines up with Tom Brady's where he probably has two three years of greatness left so I think it would be a perfect trade I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened I heard earlier rumors of the Browns offering Najoku for Trent Williams I don't like Najoku he's injury prone I would rather have OJ Howard I'm a Redskins fan so that's why I'm stating my preference um, that would be what I, if I was a Redskins, I'd be on the phone with them already. Give us OJ Howard. We'll give you Trent Williams. We know you need the protection, whatever. Uh, we'll get back into a couple more moves that happened for agency that I liked a couple sneak moves, uh, sneaky moves that I think are going to work out well for the teams that did them. And a couple players that I think got a little bit overpaid stick around. Let's get right back into it. While Tom Brady was the biggest splash of free agency, he definitely wasn't the only splash. There was a couple teams that I just think made sneaky moves that were actually good moves that won't be talked about a lot because they're not huge named players, but that doesn't mean they're not good and um, helpful moves. The Ravens, especially, they got Calias Campbell for a fifth-round pick, and Calias Campbell is near the end of his career, but... A fifth-round pick for one of the best pass rushers in football. Calais Campbell is constantly at the top. Constantly. He doesn't. He's not an injury-riddled guy. I don't get why the Jaguars... I know he's making a lot of money, but what do the Ravens care? You have a young MVP quarterback on a rookie contract. Spend that money. Get him. They, they finalized a $27 million deal, I believe. That um, Calais Campbell is going to be making at least $20 million in the next two years. So... But so what? He's going to instantly help your pass rush. And they also agreed to a one-year deal with Derek Wolf, who was on the Broncos. And Derek Wolf is one of the most underrated defensive uh, linemen in the league. The Ravens in, um, have just continuously showed what it's like to be a competent organization. When you have a guy like Ozzie Newsom be your GM for so many years, and one of the most successful GMs in the that's ever been in the National Football League, and then you go 
to DaCosta now. And DaCosta seems to be picking up right where Ozzie Newsome left off. How could you be upset as a Baltimore Ravens fan? You always have stability. You know how many teams are begging for stability? You look around the league, and it's the same teams that have problems with guys holding out, guys not getting paid enough, guys wanting to get trades. Why? Because they're bad from the top down. The owner stinks. The GM is no good, and the coach is even worse. Look at the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien is a what is a below-average head coach. I've went over this on the last podcast. He's a below-average head coach, and he somehow has gotten GM powers. How does that happen? Which just reminded me, we will go over. Well, I'll go over real quick right now. That is one of the worst trades I've ever, I've ever seen happen. DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best wide receiver in football. If not, nobody can debate me that he's not top five. DeAndre Hopkins was traded for a second, a fourth, and David Johnson. David Johnson. David Johnson hasn't, I don't think he's had a carry for more than five yards in the last two years. David Johnson is so injury riddled. The guys they have on their team are just as much, if not more productive than David Johnson between Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson. Why would Houston do something like this? And, they, and then Bill O'Brien comes out a week later and says, well, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player, but he wanted to get paid, uh, and he has three years left on his contract. Here's an idea, Bill. Pay the man more money. He's one of the best in the league, and if he asks you, for a contract extension, and he doesn't do it publicly because nobody knew about that. That was something that came out a week later, which is just very fishy to me. If he does it under the, um, if he does it under the radar, basically says, "Hey, I think I should be getting paid more." Pay him. He's great. This isn't going to be. No one is going to say, "What are the Texans doing?" If you see that they extend DeAndre Hopkins, but everybody is thinking, "What the hell are the Texans doing?" Once they saw you trade him. But, I mean, you just couldn't be worse. You couldn't make yourself and your organization look worse than you did by trading DeAndre Hopkins. People, Players like DeAndre Hopkins aren't on the trading block. You don't trade players like that. This isn't a guy who gets in trouble like, like Odell Beckham. And I'm a, bit, I'm a huge fan of Odell Beckham. But he is constantly in the news. He's constantly getting his name talked about. And that is seen as a cancer to some teams and they don't want that. DeAndre Hopkins is not that. DeAndre Hopkins is a low low cut, he's very under the radar superstar. He's great. He's as good as any receiver in the league besides maybe Julio. How do you move on from someone and you didn't even get a first round pick, which means the Texans have now traded away Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins and didn't receive a first round pick for either one of them. Bill O'Brien should not only be fired, he should be banned from the National Football League. And all these people saying, well, maybe this will work out in the long run and we'll all look stupid. No, I, I don't see how that could happen. There's no way that when his contract is done, Deshaun Watson's going to want to play for the Texans anymore. Why? Because Bill O'Brien is in charge. Why is he in charge? Nobody knows. I, 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 I can't even spend any more time on that. That trade was awful. Um, Bill O'Brien is a terrible GM. He, he's a worse GM than he is a coach. And that says a lot because he's a pretty, pretty poor coach. Um, um, yeah. So other than that, we had, 
Byron Jones going to the Dolphins. The Dolphins made a lot of good moves. They, they Listen, they had a lot of money, and they signed a lot of guys. They got Byron Jones. They got Kyle Van Noy. Brian Flores getting some New England players into that defense. You always see when New England coaches leave, sometimes players follow them. Um, I do like the trajectory of the Dolphins. I think they're going in the right direction, and I think the last piece they need um, to to go in the right direction is that is drafting to its tongue of a low, and that and you got to do that by any means possible. If Tua is your guy, you trade whatever you need to get him. The quarterback is the is the most important position in football. You move up from five to two with the Redskins, you give them whatever they need. If you think there's a possibility that someone can take your guy, and he's a quarterback, which is the most important position, then you have to trade up. You have to trade up. You, you don't sit there and hope he falls to you because that's what bad organizations do. Um, you're going to catch flack for using your picks to trade up? Sure. But guess what? If you trade up to number two and get to a tongue of a low and you win Super Bowls with him, no one will ever even remember that you traded up for him. No one cares about the rest of those picks. They don't matter. Um, so Miami made a couple moves. I like what the Bengals did. The Bengals, uh, I think they paid a little bit too much to the corners. They got Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. Um, but you know what? You got to pay people. You have a lot of money. You got to overpay sometimes. I love DJ Reader. I think he got a good deal. He's going to help them instantly. Atkins is kind of on his way out along with um, Carlos Dunlap. So they need to add some depth to that defensive line that is already pretty good. About The Bengals do have a good defensive line. So adding Reader will help them. But uh, basically, it's just watching these teams that were so pitiful last year make good moves. It's very exciting. You love to see the balance in the NFL switch around a little bit. And uh, as for the Bengals and Dolphins, the same thing goes. Seems like Burrow is the Bengals guy. I don't blame them one bit. Draft them. Don't play any games. Just draft them. Miami, if you have to move up, move up and draft Tua. You need your quarterback. You can have every good signing and every good defensive player and offensive weapon you want. You don't have the quarterback, it won't work. Just think about it. Look at Jacksonville in 2015. Everybody thought they were um, Super Bowl bound. They lose that game to New England by the shred of their, by, by the skin of their teeth, I should say. And then we never hear of Jacksonville again. Why? They didn't have a quarterback. They had Blake Bortles. They had a great defense. They had decent offensive weapons. Haven't heard from them since. Jacksonville fell apart also because Tom Coughlin was um, the general manager there, and he was a terrible general manager. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't have your franchise quarterback, you will not win. If you do win once, it'll only be once. You cannot do, you cannot be a, a great team for years without your franchise quarterback. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Notice something about them? They're always in the playoffs. Always. Because they're great quarterbacks. Um, that's going to wrap up what I talk about as far as free agency goes. When I come back, I'll be going through my mock draft. And then we'll get into a little bit of if the NBA is going to come back. But this is mostly going to be just a strictly NFL podcast. So stick around when we come back. I'll have my mock draft, first 15 picks, breaking it all down. You know what that sound means? That means the Cincinnati Bengals are officially on the clock 
in my mock draft. Not the real draft. That's next week. But this is pretty simple for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's probably the easiest pick they've ever had to make. Joe Burrow's from Ohio. Joe Burrow is might be the best college quarterback we've ever seen. His season last year was so ridiculous. He, and yes, he had weapons. Yes, he had an offensive line. But he was just phenomenal. He's right there on the table for you. I know he's made some comments that seem a little bit like uh, that he doesn't want to play for the Bengals or whatever. Who cares? Draft him anyway. Get over it. If he pulls a, an Eli stunt, then you work out something where you get every you get all of Miami's picks and you end up with two. But I don't see that happening. Burrow has not made it that serious of a of a denouncement of the Bengals. He's not really said that he's not going to play for the Bengals. It's just a little, a couple little comments that are scaring people. I picked Joe Burrow with this pick, and I don't even think twice about it. I do think that the best player in the draft is Chase Young. I think he'll have the most successful career. Um, but Joe Burrow is a quarterback. Joe Burrow looks like he could be one of the greats, and the Cincinnati Bengals need that. They need, and there's this false um, idea about the Bengals that they're always bad. The Bengals were a playoff team consistently in the 2010s, okay? Until a couple years ago, they were in the playoffs and winning their division almost every year. So it's not true. They had trouble in the playoffs. Marvin Lewis never won a playoff game. We know that. But to think that there's some terrible organization that are always bad, it's not true. You don't watch football if you think that. Um, So Burrow going number one for obvious reasons. You don't really got to break that down. Now, this mock draft is obviously assuming there's no trades. And I don't think there's ever been a first round of a draft with no trades. So that's a little unrealistic. But I can't predict what trades will happen, where they will go. I'm doing a simple no trade mock draft. The teams that have these picks, who they would pick in this position. And we go to number two, which is the Washington Redskins, my team. And if they mess this pick up, I will, I will, I don't know. I will go crazy. Chase Young, he's the easiest pick in the draft. The draft really starts at number three. And when I say that, I mean, if you, if it doesn't go Burrow Young, then something crazy happened where Miami traded up for Tua or the Bengals or Burrow said he wouldn't play for the Bengals. If it does not go Joe Burrow, Chase Young, I will, I and everyone will be extremely surprised. For obvious reasons, Chase Young is the best pass rusher coming out. He looks like he has Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, J.J. Watt-type abilities. Just take him. Don't don't make it harder than what it is, Washington. Just take him. Um, so then we go to the Lions, and there's a lot of speculation with this pick. I'm going to stick with what I've been thinking the whole time. For a long time, I've been thinking they're going to go with Okuda. I think, he's, I think he is a special, special talent. I mean, you talk about his whole season last year he had no pass interference and no holding calls against him and he was one of the best graded corners in the whole country that is insane I mean you talk about a lockdown corner he is the definition of it he's fast he 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 goes across he's across the board great so right now we're at pick number four we've had Burrow go to the Bengals Young to the Redskins and Okuda go to the Lions and number four is the Giants and, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, everyone's saying offensive lineman. Uh, 
in the end, they probably will choose an offensive lineman. But I just think this guy is such a can't-miss Isaiah Simmons linebacker out of Clemson that if I was Dave Gettleman and running the Giants, I would take Isaiah Simmons. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, the Giants haven't had a playmaker on defense like Isaiah Simmons in years. Landon Collins is and was a really good player, but he could never cover anyone, and he still can't cover anyone. He's a great tackler and a hell of a box safety. He is not a coverage guy. Isaiah Simmons showed everything. He showed that he could play just about any position on defense, which is just insane. You don't pass on a guy like that if he falls to you. Um, do I? In this in this mock, I do have them taking Isaiah Simmons. However, I think this is going to be my first wrong pick because I see them probably going with Jedrick Wills. But you know what? It's more fun. If you think they pick a linebacker, nobody likes when offensive linemen get picked. We don't know if they're good or not. How do you? How can you tell if an offensive lineman is good in college, unless you're a scout? Nobody knows. So let's go to five, and it's Miami. Have them getting Tua. Um, something tells me, if the Dolphins want to get Tua Tungvaloa, that they have to trade up, because I could see another team trading up to get him, whether it's New England, whether it's. Uh, San, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Doesn't matter who it is. I think Tua is that type of talent. The injuries are scary, but he is possibly the most accurate passer I've ever seen play at the college level. He was, I mean, this, and he is so gritty and so tough that it would be so hard to pass up on this guy. I mean, if he falls to you at five, there's no question for me that I take Tua Tungvaloa with that pick if I'm Miami. But I do think when it comes to next week, they'll probably have to trade up if they want him. Um, so, yeah, I got Miami taking Tua at five, although I do think if they get him, it will be earlier than five. Sixth, the Chargers taking Justin Herbert. Um, Chargers need a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's proved it time and time again. Um, do I think he'll step right in and be a good quarterback, Herbert? No. Do I even know if he will be a good quarterback? I don't know. I did not like what I saw of Justin Herbert when I saw it. Uh, I will admit... <clears throat> That I don't know enough about him. I mainly focus on Joe Burrow and Tua Tungvaloa. I think they are in their own class. And then it's Herbert, Love, and I guess Jalen Hurts in a different class. Um, but I, I don't love Herbert, but I do think the Chargers take him at six. And if somehow Tua falls to six and the Chargers do not take him, wow, that would be absolutely ridiculous. So we get to seven. And I think this is where the Carolina Panthers pick seventh. I think they go with Derrick Brown, who I think is one of the most. He has potential to be the best player in this draft because he is so powerful. We saw him for, for in Auburn on the interior, on the exterior. He just gets to the quarterback. He just stops the run. He, he is so damn good. He is so big. He is so strong. Derrick Brown, and I think, honestly, he could go three. Because the Lions and Matt Patricia love big defense linemen. They had Snacks. He's gone. He would be a perfect replacement for Snacks. But at this moment, I have Okuda going third. I think Derek Brown drops a seven. And I think that's a hell of a value pick at seven. Derek Brown is, to me, he has loads of potential. His his The sky is a ceiling for him. Uh, the Cardinals, not a flashy pick here. I got them going with Jedrick Wills, the offensive lineman. Uh, they need to protect Kyler, plain and simple. Kyler wants... C.D. Lamb, uh, he's made it clear, he said it. Well, you know what, Kyler, 
They went out and got you DeAndre Hopkins, so just be happy with that. Um, would I do? I think they would be wrong to draft CD Lamb. No, but I do think they're that if you didn't learn from the Browns last year that they had all the talent at running back and wide receiver, they couldn't get a guy to protect Baker, and look how that worked out. You got to protect your quarterback. Kyler is way more shifty and way quicker and faster than Baker, but you still have to protect him regardless. Uh, teams like New England. Teams like Dallas always protect their quarterback. You got to protect your quarterback. Um, I think they go Jedrick Wills at eight. Then nine, you got the Jaguars. Excuse me. The Jaguars have lost Jalen Ramsey to a trade. They've lost A.J. Bouye. They cut him. Simple fact is they need a corner. Got them going C.J. Henderson out of Florida. I don't love it. I think it's a bit of a reach at nine. But if you're trusting in Gardner Minshew, then you're not going to take love here. You're not going to trade up for a quarterback if you trust in Gardner Minshew. Um, I would go with the secondary player, C.J. Henderson. Showed a lot of good moments in Florida. I think he's a little raw. We'll have to adjust to pro competition. But uh, like I said, I think he's more of a mid-round talent. But I, I see I see Jacksonville going with C.J. Henderson at 9. Then you get to 10. It's the Cleveland Browns. I got him taking the second offensive lineman I have off the board, which is Mecky Becton. Um, Mecky Becton, like I said, I, I, how do you know if offensive linemen are good? I mean, I watched him at Louisville. A little bit. He seemed to just throw guys around. That's what you want, I guess, right? He's big. He's strong. Seems like he could protect a quarterback. Baker needs protection because everybody knows what he does when he scrambles out right. Everybody knows what he's doing. He's not fast. He's not accurate enough to just sit back there and throw under pressure. He needs all the protection he could get. Uh, 11. And here starts the fun. The New York Jets pick 11. Now... A lot of people are going to say their GM is Joe Douglas. They're going to pick an offensive line and they need to protect Darnold. I have them at 11, taking the first wide receiver off the board, Jerry Judy. And the reason I have them taking Jerry Judy is because when you look at the AFC East, you have three teams that have great corner play. How rare is that in a, in a division? You have Miami with now Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. You have... The um, New England with the best corner in football and Stephon Gilmore. You have Buffalo with one of the best corners in football and Tredavious White. You need a number one receiver. You need a receiver that's going to go go up against them and and at least give them trouble and force double teams so Jameson Crowder and other guys can get open. Because right now the Jets are lacking a number one receiver. The closest thing they had to a number one receiver was Robbie Anderson. And I'm glad... I think they made the right move by not signing him because he's not worth that money. But the point is, you cannot compete with teams with those type of secondaries with no receiver that could line up number one against these corners. I mean, Jerry Judy has all the potential in the world. My favorite wide receiver in this draft class, I, who I think is going to be the best, is C.D. Lamb. However, I do think the Jets lean more towards Judy in this instance because Jerry Judy is bigger than Lamb. He's He's more of a I can beat you one on one type of guy where Lamb will just run you out of the park and and but they're both I mean you can't go wrong honestly if you pick Judy or Lamb with that pick I think fans will be extremely happy. And then we go to twelve at the Raiders. A lot of rumors that the Raiders will go receiver here. I think Rudin wants to get a pass rusher. Um, I have them getting Javon Kinlaw. He wants to make up for trading Mac. I mean, in the long run with all these picks. And Mack not having that great of a year last year, he does look smarter for that pick. But the fact of the matter is, the Raiders haven't had a pass rush since they got rid of Khalil Mack. Javon Kinlaw looks 
I mean, he was taking double teams at South Carolina and just going right through them and getting to the quarterback with ease. I like Javon Kinlaw. I think this is a smart pick at 12 for the Raiders. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went Judy or Lamb, depending on who's available, because Gruden loves offensive guys. But I do think he really wants to get a pass rusher to say, hey, look, we really didn't need Khalil Mack. Let's go to 13. And 13 is a, is a ridiculous scenario if this happens. Wow. I have the 49ers who picked 13th because they traded DeForest Buckner for that pick. And the 49ers are in the position to draft C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb in that offense with Kyle Shanahan is going to be absolutely ridiculous. I will say this. If C.D. Lamb gets drafted to the 49ers like I haven't projected, he'll be the best wide receiver out out of this draft. I, I won't even question it. You got an offensive guru in Shanahan. You got Garoppolo who is not afraid to throw it. You got a great offense there. Like I said, a great offensive mind. Lamb will run you out of the park. Lamb doesn't drop the ball. You got a young Debo Samuel with you. You got George Kittle as tight end. You got that run game that looked unstoppable at the end of the year last year. You couldn't go to a better place if you're CeeDee Lamb. He would be cheesing if they picked him at number 13. I think it's the perfect place for him. I think it would be scary for the rest of the league. Um, Yeah, so I got them taking CeeDee Lamb. At 13. And then Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay have getting offensive lineman Andrew Thomas. Um, I, like I said, he's out of Georgia, by the way. Um, it will depend on if they do trade for Trent Williams, as I was saying before. That's just a hypothetical. There's been no rumors of that. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But if they trade for Trent Williams, I don't see them going O-line in the first round. Maybe they go for a safety or... Uh, corner, they could probably use some help at corner, but for right now, I have them getting Andrew Thomas, not a flashy pick. And then the 15th pick, this is the last one I'm gonna break down, and then I'm gonna go to uh, one pick in the later round that I really like. Um, Henry Ruggs going to the Broncos at 15. I think Ruggs is a hell of a prospect, um, but I also think you, you, you benefit from playing with Jerry Judy all year, you know. Um, but also, Judy benefited by playing with him, so you can't really. Dismiss that. Henry Ruggs has all the potential in the world. He's fast as hell. He has good hands. He played well in big games. I will say this. I forgot to say this when talking about Judy before. It says something when in the biggest game of the year, I watched Jerry Judy drop multiple passes against LSU. And in C.D. Lamb's biggest game of the year, he played pretty damn well against, um, excuse me, Oklahoma, against, oh, against LSU in the, in the, one versus four game in the college football playoff. They got blown out, but CeeDee Lamb had, what, over 150 yards? I saw him make multiple good catches, multiple breakout. He has breakout speed. But, yeah, 15, Henry Ruggs. I think this is a good pick at 15 because this this draft is so wide receiver deep that I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. So that wraps it up for the top 15. Um, only going through those. I don't want to talk about it. I'm sure everybody's already bored of hearing about my mock draft by now. But my other interesting picks in the later, at the end of this round, I have LaVisca Chenault going 21 to Philly. I think Philly are going to trade up to get either Lamb or Judy, if I'm being honest. But if they stay at 21 and get LaVisca Chenault, they get a guy who, to me, might have the highest ceiling in the whole draft as a wide receiver. You, you, I, I just want you to put on this guy's tape from Colorado. Now, he has injury problems, and he played for Colorado. So those are two things that will go against him because Colorado's not a relevant college football team they you know nobody really knows about them or watches them but LaVisca Chenault he looked like Julio on some of those 
on some of those plays out there. Just look up his highlight tape. I mean, highlights only show you the good things, but wow, this guy's ceiling is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think that'd be a steal at 21. I really think you, you could take a gamble on any of these receivers and you have a chance of getting a number one. It is ridiculous how deep this draft is at wide receiver. Now, the other one is the Patriots at 23. I have them drafting Jordan Love. What do I think that will be? I don't think Jordan Love is a plug-in player right now, but I will say this. I do not think Bill Belichick is throwing Jared Stidham out there week one next year. I just don't. I don't I don't see Bill Belichick losing games next year to go get Trevor Lawrence. Do you know who Bill Belichick is? Do you think he would lose games on purpose? If you think that, you probably don't watch a whole lot of Patriot football. Uh, if they could get Jordan Love at 23, I would do it if I'm New England. Uh, they, they could use some help at receiver, probably use some help on the defense since they lost Van Noy. Um, but I would get Jordan Love here. I just thought those two were interesting. Uh, to To wrap it up, though, a total of, well, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. I had seven wide receivers going in round one. That is crazy. They all were, as you know, Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, Ruggs, 15. I have Justin Jefferson going 19 to the Raiders. Chenault going 21 to the Eagles. T. Higgins going 25 to the Vikings. And K.J. Hamler going 30 to the Packers. And then... The only running back in the first round, this is why these guys, these running backs, and I'll get to that in a second. DeAndre Swift getting taken by the Chiefs in the last pick of the first round is my final pick of the first round mock draft. The reason these guys that are holding out that are running backs are having a hard time, now Mixon's the latest one, which is a joke. Don't even get me started on that. But the reason they have a hard time is because you're finding talent at running back in second rounds, in third rounds, even in fourth rounds. Teams are not going to pay running backs that. You want to know why Christian McCaffrey got paid so much? Because he does way more than any other running back in the league. He receives. He lines up in the slot. Similar to what Le'Veon Bell did, which is why, like I said, I'm mostly on the side of these players when they hold out, especially guys like Bell and guys like McCaffrey who do more than what their position tells them to do. But a guy like Joe Mixon holding out, I mean, first of all, Joe Mixon was not super productive last year until about halfway through the year. He is a good running back. He's on the last year of his rookie contract, and the Bengals took a chance on drafting him after his shenanigans in college. So I wouldn't hold the franchise hostage that took a chance on me, and it's not like he's getting paid no money. I mean, he's not getting paid a lot, but you see your team going in the right direction. You see them about to draft Burrow. They're keeping A.J. Green around. They've made a lot of free agent signings. I I don't think... Uh, Joe Mixon has a lot of leverage. I do see the Bengals in either round two or three drafting a running back to basically let Mixon know, hey, if you're going to sit, we're going to let you, and you're not going to get paid, dude, because we refuse to be held hostage by a guy that we took a chance on. That's what the, the position I would take if I'm the Bengals. That wraps up the mock draft, and it also wraps up the podcast. Um, next week after the draft, I'm going to be doing something basically a special after the draft. It'll probably be much shorter. Uh, I was going to get into the NBA, but there's nothing to talk about in the NBA, as as you could tell. Um, hopefully they can get back, and even if they shoot right back into the playoffs. Uh, hopefully by next week when I, when I do the post-draft show, there's more news in sports. For now, it's been dry. Um, this coronavirus is halting everything, basically, especially sports. But um, we still get the draft next week virtual. I could care less. 
Um, I can't wait to break down what teams did. Hopefully we get a few blockbuster trades. And I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week.